Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you, Ben Mackay. Welcome to another episode. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter at hashtag Kangas or on Instagram at hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. I'm also on TikTok as well now, hashtag Kangaroos1. Um, so check uh, that out. Anyways, uh, tonight I'm joined by the lovely ladies in Marnie Cohen and Siobhan Rowe once again. There's plenty to discuss. Uh, we talked about the list, uh, where that's at, um, where it has gone wrong over the few years. Uh, who can be a replacement for CCJ, Charlie Common? Uh, also talked about uh, play, young players that we'd like to see. There's plenty to talk about, so let's not waste any more time. Let's bring on the girls right now. Tonight, I welcome back fan, fan favourites in Marnie Cohen and Siobhan Rowe. Ladies, it's a pleasure to have you on. There's a lot to go through. Now, Marnie, I remember when I had you on a few weeks back uh, when we were two and two, you were impressed with the effort to start the year. Do you think the effort has been there the last three weeks? Because a lot of media are saying and showing footage of work rate completely dropping off in certain parts of the game. I'm going to ask you that question, Dean. What do you think? What do you think I'm going to say? I, uh, I, th- I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. I think it's getting highlighted because we're getting smashed. Um, certain, I mean, Kane Corns showed snippets of uh, you know, a couple half uh, chases and you know, Griffin Logue losing Christian Traka in a, in a contest. Um, but I, you know, I watched as well, um, I watched a little bit of the replay and I've seen a couple of Melbourne players half chasing as well, but we... It, as we tend to do, we butchered the ball and they were able to get out the back and get a couple of cheap possessions. So I think in certain parts there, there is good work rate and I've got no doubt there is, but in a lot of it, uh, you know, there, there is parts that um, they, they certainly could work on and go a bit harder in. To answer I'd, be really, I'd be really sad if this was like we are giving, uh, you know, 90% effort over the last three weeks. Because mm. if we are, then we have got the worst skills, but we probably have the some of the worst skills in the competition anyway. But there's no way we could be at 100% effort. I, I don't know if, you know, there's, there's obviously been changes to the game plan in the last three weeks and, and we are just getting absolutely exposed. And it's 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 sad and it's, it's hard. I, as a supporter, are watching and watching the difference between the first four rounds and then the last three yeah. rounds. It doesn't appear to me that there's a lot of effort. However, I could be wrong. If it's the if it's a, if it's the game plan change and we just can't keep up with it, or it's just too confusing, or it's taking us time to adapt, then you know maybe there's other issues there. But for me, it's I can't sit here and say yeah, I really think, and I can't say convincingly that I really think there's a hundred percent effort um, that's kind of sort of been displayed over the last few weeks. Yeah, I got no. Yeah, look, and the footage is damning uh, with certain players. Like Cameron Zerha, third minute of the game was half chasing his opponent, um, which is pretty disappointing, especially in the third minute of the game. Siobhan, what do you what do you think? Um, I've got no doubt it's dropped off, and maybe that has something to do with the opposition being too quick over the ground as well, or players, like we said, are just uh, chasing too much um, or not chasing hard enough. We aren't sure, but it's been a disappointing few weeks, hasn't it? After a promising start. That is probably a really good summation, Dina, and I'll I'll back you up on that with a few statistics. So from round three to seven, we are 18th in contested possession, 18th in time in forward half, 18th in score per inside 50, 18th for points four, and 17th for points from turnovers. So uh, West Coast are below us in one of the key statistics. So we're last in every key area when it comes to winning the ball, from scoring, from defending. So we've fallen off a cliff dramatically in the last sort of four weeks. And the question probably has to be why. Um, we'll put, kind of unpack that a bit on the podcast. But Marnie raised a good point. Maybe it's a, a changing game plan. And we all saw something change dramatically in the way we defended 
um, when we played Brisbane. That was the first real uncompetitive game we had. Um, it seems the injuries are probably taking their toll a bit, but work rates dropped off. There's no doubt about that. There's vision to back that up. We're watching the game thinking, why are we not having that relentless pressure that we did in the first two rounds that saw us get the chocolates? Now, I'm not expecting us to win every game, but to lose by 90 points in, in the fashion we did, um, lose that game if it wasn't for the last three goals of the match, it would have been 100 points plus. Um, I know it's not about the scoreboard and I know we're, we're in a rebuilding phase, but once this can, if this if this continues to happen and once it does, they, I just think at the moment the team are really struggling for confidence and a lot of these players are don't know anything except losing, which is really disheartening. And so I think a lot of them are potentially thinking, well, we're coming up against Melbourne. Um, they're the, probably the best side in the competition. We're almost expected to lose. Maybe that mindset's creeping them. I can't be sure, but it just seemed that we were beaten comprehensively in every area of the ground. And the last four weeks have shown we are last in every sort of key stat. How we turn that around, that's why Elsa Class is getting paid the big bucks. Um, but maybe it's a, a thing where it will turn around in years to come. I mean, there's a lot of players that need to probably have a look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know, am I wanting to play for North Melbourne and give 100% effort? Some can certainly, you know, say I have and I will. Others I'm not sure. So it's, it's a, a, about bonding the team together and, and really asking some hard questions about where we go to from here. Yeah, no, there's a lot to unpack there and very good st statistics there as well, uh, Siobhan. Uh, you've done your research, so that's why I got you on. So, yeah, no, it's it's yeah, good. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much sums it up. Yeah, we're coming last in, you know, like time in forward half. If you don't have the ball in forward half, you're not going to score. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to win games either and other areas like contested possessions. Uh, and I think that's a disappointing part is the things we do have control over, like things like that, whether it's game plan or not. You could have the greatest game plan and, plan in the world but if you're coming last in key statistical areas then it doesn't really matter what what the game plan is so that's where it starts in the contest and that's where we've got to lift our game there's no doubt about that now Marnie we talked about this before we came on is there a problem and full credit to you uh, for bringing this up Siobhan is there a problem with play development because we seem to get players that start uh, off uh, in a promising way in their careers but then they get to the 23, 24, 25, and they seem to stagnate. Um, is that on our end? and Or is it uh, maybe poor drafting? I mean, I think it's a factor of everything. I think definitely the club has to hold some sort of responsibility. Siobhan and yourself and I, Dean, were talking about it off air before. We've had four coaches in four years, and that is, you know, and, and each coach has different standards. Each coach has, coach has a different team, has different ways they want things done. and it doesn't surprise me that half the time we just, you know, look like a group of deer in headlights because there's probably just so many instructions and so many things that are constantly changing that it might make it hard to keep up. I definitely think that the club has to take some responsibility, but I think a lot of the players can really look at themselves in the mirror too and, and probably have to hold some accountability and, and, and some responsibility. I just think our, a fair few of our young players just sort of lack a bit of leadership and a bit of drive. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, we've obviously, you know, Jai Simkin as a co-captain, he's young, young guy, LDU's obviously a real leader um, um, for us. And then um, Cam Zerha and Nick Larkey are, are very reliable duo up forward, but kind of take them out of the piece. And, and there aren't too many more that you can sort of sit there and say, they look like they're hungry to take this club into success and into its next phase of success, whether that's because they don't know how to win, whether that's because they're just not motivated enough themselves. It's pretty disappointing. But, you know, the last few weeks, I, our best players are all over 30. I mean, Cunnington's had a very, very good few weeks. Zeeble's had a great season. Goldstein's the ever-reliable. Um, but outside of those three, I mean, very few players have really stood up. And I think that's the issue. I just... A big thing for me is I just don't know if these players really realise what they're capable of and if they actually took it upon themselves to want to lift the standard, how much better we would play as a team and how much more inspired we would be. So I think, and it's not fair to put it all on the players, I think the club, like I said, does have to hold themselves accountable slightly. I think there's probably been, uh, we've had a history of really poor drafting, so that's probably trickled into the last few seasons as well. But I think the players also probably need to take a bit of responsibility for that. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with thought. You know that uh, certainly do. What about you, Siobhan? Now you 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 asked the question to us off air. Um, what what? Yeah, where where do you sit with it all? Marnie raised some really great points in the fact that we've had four coaches in four years. So I think a lot of the players on our list are probably tired of learning a different game plan every year. There hasn't been enough time to solidify potentially the way Clarkson wants them to play. So they probably have a free kick for this year. But next year, we'll we probably be having a, a different conversation if things don't, uh, the wheel doesn't turn. So um, the reason why I probably brought that up is just due to the fact that I've seen some players and you just have to question not their desire to, to play for the club, but, but maybe the way that they actually kind of are developing a, as a player. Um, so uh, Curtis Taylor is an example of that. So um, he's one that we've been saying he's got a lot of potential, got a lot of potential. Then you realise he's coming into the prime of his career. Um, and, you, yeah, it just... Uh, is there enough development in a player like him? And we've probably said the same thing about Bailey Scott. He looks like he's stagnating a little bit um, this year, coming off being third in the, in the best and fairest last year. Um, where's Will Phillips at? Where, where are some of the players that are, are coming into their prime? Where are they at? Where's the improvement? Um, Jack Marnie hasn't probably come on the way we would have liked to. And I still think we rely too heavily, like Marnie mentioned, on our senior players like Zeeble and Goldstein and Cunnington to be the ones that lift the group and, and kind of inspire them. Where's the next gen coming through? I mean, LDU's have been a revelation and, and Jai Simpkin and, and some of those players. But I think we've got too many players that we always say, oh, they've got potential, that, you know, they, they're coming along. But that, I think, time's withering with that sort of commentary with some of those players. So um, we either see them dramatically improve or we, we say that they've been a wasted draft pick. And I hate to do that because we have to get this rebuild right. Otherwise, we're going to be in this position for years. So those players have to continue taking steps forward. And I worry that too many of them are not. Maybe they don't have a high enough ceiling, that they're the player they are and we've just got to kind of work around that. Um, so that's where the conversation about more elite talent coming through the door comes in. So um, I think you can have as many elite players come through the door as you'd like, but as long as they're developed properly in the system, um, then that's, that's a different conversation to have. I mean, Harry sheasel has been an exception to that. He's come in and played seven games, and you could argue that he's probably our best player out on the ground. He certainly was against Melbourne. Um, so is that a... a, a great achievement for Harry She's or is that a blight on the rest of the playing list that a seven game most probably our most reliable player um it's probably just some questions we have to ask as the season unfolds yeah I mean Harry She's was uh, you know number two pick we've picked a lot of players that probably you know, in their 20s and 30s like maybe you know they're still young um we do have a list gap of you know between 24 and 28 they're either over 30 or they're you know 22 one under so we kind of got to get that middle tier right i mean yeah look we've got you know those players like jack marnie like you mentioned charlie lazaro maybe they've probably stagnated a bit over the last couple of years after promising starts so we kind of want them to take little steps forward and they probably just yeah they're probably if anything probably even gone a little bit backwards so yeah i mean there is um there is, uh, yeah, a problem with um, age demographic. And then you've got like a 27-year-old Kane Turner who we've seen the ceiling or Daniel Howell who's 28. Um, you know, th those sorts of players that, you know, I mean, what, uh, what do they, you know, are they going to be uh, part of your next good team? Um, you know, we've seen their ceiling. It's not very high. So, you know, which is which is a bit disappointing because Kane Turner, his first couple of years when he's under Brad Scott was uh, showed a lot of promise. So, yeah, it's, it's been... Bit of a disappointment uh, in in that regard that he hasn't uh, progressed to the yeah anything better than what he is right now. Now we might as well go to our coach right now, Alistair Clarkson. Um, in the presser, he sort of said that he's going to start integrating some young kids over the coming weeks. He, he, he pretty much said if we're going to lose by fifteen goals, we might as well uh, integrate uh, one or two kids coming through in the, in the current, you know, each week or uh, over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, which young kids would you like to uh, come uh, to see come into the team, Marnie? Well, I think um, Wardlaw is probably the name on everyone's lips at the moment. I know he had a bit of an injury scare in the VFL, but he seems to have had the all clear. Um, I think potentially Braden Jury will see at some point during the year as well. And I'm really interested, and I, I think this is a name that... I, I've sort of been thinking about for a while with Combin now 
probably, I mean, there's potential to come back towards the end of the year, which I think is insane, but I'd love to see him back. Um, and Callan Coleman-Jones probably sidelined now as well. I'd really, really interested to see if we look to Jacob Edwards. I feel like he's been sitting on the sidelines for a very long time. He sort of was quite hyped when he first came to the club and no one's really heard of him ever since. Um, if there's going to be a time to play him, now is the time that you're going to play him. Um, so they'd probably be the players that I think we will see at some stage throughout the year. I also think when Bergman and Goda are both fit again, then they'll come back into the side as well. I think both of them held their own really, really well down back at the start of the year. And I think that their pace um, and their ball movement is something we've really missed coming out of coming out of defence. So um, a couple of new faces, hopefully the return of a couple of kids as well. Um, I mean, that's what we've got. That there's There's plenty to be excited about. It's just we're not seeing it in front of our faces. So I think it's time to bring them in and, and see what they've got. Yeah, Jacob Edwards is an interesting one because he doesn't look up to it in the VFL right now. He's only getting three or four touches a game playing as a deep forward. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, he's still young. He's still very raw and we have to be patient with him. Um, but it could be like Jackson Archer who didn't look up to it in the VFL last year. And then when he went to the AFL, he looked like uh, he'd be, you know, a 200-game player in the AFL system. So, yeah, some players might, might play better in the AFL. Um, rather than the VFL. Uh, Siobhan, we talked about Drury last week, and Wardlaw has a bruised knee, which can be tricky sometimes, depending on how the swelling goes down. But those two have to be the first off the block uh, to get picked in the next couple of weeks, don't they, really? Absolutely, yeah. So um, I think it's time to unleash Wardlaw. Like Clarko said, if we're going to lose by that much, I think as a supporter base, I don't think I'd be as cranky about losing by a big margin if we're playing youth and to be honest with you I don't think we'd actually lose by that margin if we were playing youth there's something about the way Hawthorne are going about their footy at the moment they've stripped right back to bare cupboards really in terms of their senior players and they're very competitive so having useful energy does something to the team um I'll throw up a name for you I I not really sure why Lockie Young hasn't been considered at all. Um, I think he's a player, considering we also have quite a few injuries now, um, that, that could be considered. I think Will Phillips will make a reappearance, you'd have to think. Um, with Will, I think you either play him in the AFL for an extended period and cop it if he has four or five touches in a game, keep playing him, or you play him in the VFL and just let him have an extended run there. The sub or dropped or... Um, mixing both of it, I just don't think he's going to work for his um, confidence and development. And another player that I think has been lost as well is Flynn Perez. Um, he's another one that I thought showed good promise last year in the games that he played. He didn't set the world on fire, but um, let's just see what he what he has to offer. Let's see what he's got. Um, try him on a wing if it's not as a halfback. Um, I still think we're really slow out of the back half, so injecting a Lockie Young or a Flynn Perez might give us a little bit of drive. I mean, it's not going to be the, the, the total answer, but it'll be nice to see um, them coming to the side. And, and like Marnie said, I think we're probably crying out for another tall after the, the combat injury and, and Common Jones going down with concussion. And Hamish Free's a name that, that's interesting because um, I think Edwards is probably too raw where Free's had experience in senior football um, and he's on the list. He probably, again, isn't ready for the AFL, but but let's see what he's got. He's um mature age and, like I said, has played against big bodies before. So um, if worse comes to worse, I think maybe Hamish Free will be that um, second option to Goldie in the ruck and would just come in and, and play as a decoy forward for Larky if need be. Yeah, that's you're not the first person to mention that, uh, Hamish Free. He is 24, so he's not the player that's got... Um, you know, he's not going to have a long time at it. He had to show something this year. Otherwise, he's probably off the list, to be honest with you. I haven't been too impressed with him in the VFL, but uh, that doesn't mean he can't make a contribution to an AFL team if needed. Marnie, CCJ and Common definite outs of the team this week. Uh, I think only CCJ, CCJ might be out this, um, for this week and then probably back next week. I want to run this past you. Could Greenwood play as a centre-half forward that pushes in the midfield for stoppages, similar to what he was doing the first couple of rounds. And we can go a bit smaller um, uh, you know, in the forward line once he pushes up to the midfield and you know, plays Zerha, Stevenson, Blake Drury, uh, even Phoenix Spicer or something. And have a really uh, quick forward line um, and have some players on the ground when the ball hits the ground. 
All you had to say was Hugh Greenwood, and that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I, it's it. You know, I get, I get that. Obviously, I I think he's a great. I think he's a really great asset to the team. And I know a lot of people have said to me over the last few weeks, he's not the answer. He's not the answer. He's not the answer, but he's definitely an answer. Considering the lack of pressure and the lack of intensity that we've played in the last three weeks, we didn't have that issue when he was in the side. He, and this is the thing. This is the one thing about playing about playing slightly more experienced players is they lift the standard. He's coming in here. He is tackling everything. His clearance work is unbelievable. He's he's playing. He's a player that deserves a game. He hasn't put a foot wrong in the games that he's played this year. He came on as the sub against Carlton. He had an immediate impact. And you can't turn a blind eye to that. And so while people are going to sit here and say he's not the answer, I'm not saying he's the answer. There's We need multiple answers at this point, and he can be one of them for a start, at least to guide the younger players and give them something to work towards. We were talking before about development and it kind of, I forgot to mention it. When Sean Higgins played in that midfield, mm. you've got kids like LDU and Simkin learning from an elite player, an elite midfielder in Sean Higgins. We don't really, we've got that. Cunnington's an outstanding midfielder and none of us are going to sit here and deny that. But, you know, having someone with the skill level that Higgins had, it gives some, it gives players like Simkin and LDU someone to a standard to try and hit and someone to learn from. So maybe this is what we need just in the short term. I think I, everyone knows I think Hugh Greenwood's an asset and he's just been, play, been playing too well in the VFL to be left out of the side. And while we're going to go down the route of playing kids, I don't think that he should be an option that's just tossed to the side because he certainly provides more than someone like Kane Turner does. He's got that. He's he provides the pressure. He provides the clearance work, and he's a you know he 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 directs traffic and he sets up a lot of play and he makes things happen. So I mean, obviously, that's my that that is a topic I'm fiercely passionate about. But I don't think many people are going to sit here and say it doesn't make sense, or they're going to sit here and wouldn't add something to the team at this point because I really think that he would. Well, it's important in their first two rounds, you know, getting the wins. I mean, he, he had to play ruck for the majority of the game in round one when Tristan Sherry went in and was very good. He played as a as a second ruck and then, uh, you know, as, as an extra midfielder. And his strength is his uh, clearance work. And this week we conceded 63 points from stoppages. So he would uh, definitely be able to help in that uh, in that regard. And, and I liked his role in the first couple of weeks where he's playing as a started outside the square and then just pushed up through the midfield, uh, played a really high centre-half forward role. And I, I think that was a good role for him. So I don't know what happened there and, yeah, well, why they changed it or anything like that. But, um, yeah, we'll uh, certainly see. Uh, what do you, what about you, Siobhan? Um now, we're talking about senior players, and Hugh Greenwood is a senior player, and we're talking about uh, wanting to push kids through. We kind of still need to get that balance of senior players and kids, but would you prioritise, and don't take this personally, Marnie, would you prioritise a Will Phillips over a Hugh Greenwood if it came down to those two? It's a good question because you're right about the fact it needs to be balanced. Personally, I think the last few weeks have been off balance. Um, I think it's been glaringly obvious for a lot of supporters that it seems as though we've gone with too much um, experience. And I think I don't like singling players out, but Daniel Howes, Kane Turners, um, they're probably the Aaron Halls even, are those players that are senior and experienced but not bringing a lot to the side where I think Marnie brings some great points into this conversation in that Hugh Greenwood was bringing things to the side, such as his elite pressure and his ability to go in the ruck when need be and um, the standards where what sort of standards is Kane Turner setting at the moment? What are the standards that Aaron Hall's setting off halfback? I can't see it. Um, I'm a a couch critic, but I I can't see those those standards um, being driven by those players. So um, I I would have no problem with someone like Hugh Greenwood coming in, um, knowing he's an older player, if he's going to be bringing some real um, grunt and drive in the side. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be happy to see um, Greenwood come in and Phillips stay out of the side if it's for the betterment of the team. 
Yeah, pretty good answer there, uh, Siobhan. Uh, he sat a little bit on the fence. He didn't want to offend Marnie, so that was good. So very good <laughs> and thoughtful answer. So uh, it's interesting you talked about Aaron Hall because I want to go to the next veteran. Marnie, how did you see his game last week? To me, it looks like to have lost a yard. And I think doing ha- for, uh, hamstring four times in a season last year has played a big part in that. Um, he got 30 touches, seven turnovers. Uh, would you agree that he's looked that he looks slower. I just wouldn't play him. I think I think <laughs> we're past. I, no, and it, it it sounds harsh. I just I think that I'm you know I think I think we're past him. I think we've got players that could fill his role that are younger. And this is obviously now we're talking about this balance again. I don't think I thought he was good, but I don't think he set the world on fire. And I don't think that he's irreplaceable in the side at the moment. When you look at someone like Jack Zabel, I think Jack Zabel at the moment is irreplaceable on the side. I just think he hasn't really put a foot wrong so far this season. And I don't think that we, you know, I don't think a lot of our competitive efforts um, would be there without him. But I don't, can't say the same about Aaron Hall. And he was fantastic for us um, over the past few seasons. And I think it really added a lot to the side. But I just, I just think that we're probably time to move past him now. Well, he couldn't uh, even turn. He, he could run a straight line, all right, but uh, when he had to stop and turn, he pretty much, yeah, he pretty much had to stop to walk and then turn around. Um, so, and that's just probably, you know, they've had to change his running pattern so he doesn't uh, tear his hamstring again. Siobhan, speaking of defenders, I thought the back line was okay considering there was no pressure at all from up the field. I know we we had a brain fray uh, from McDonald um, where he just uh, got caught in a, in his own goal square. But these guys have every right to be paid time and a half for the extra work they had to put in, I thought. Um, am I being too generous with that assessment? You're not wrong in the fact that they deserve to be t- paid time and a half. I think um, extra ice in the rooms after the game for the defenders just due to how much work they're actually having to do. And and like I, I always say, like it, the, the defence is, is overworked due to the fact that the midfield aren't performing as well as they should um, and the ball's just getting flung out of the forward 50 as soon as it gets in there. Um, so another stats I had up my sleeve is that we're actually 18th for pressure applied from rounds three to seven and yeah. we were ranked third in rounds one to two. So that's dropped off significantly, which is adding extra pressure to the back line. So I'm not trying to excuse the fact that some of them are certainly not performing to their best, but I think that there is a different defensive setup from what we saw in the first half of the year. They're probably adjusting to that particular setup. They were better against Melbourne, um, but I still think they've got a long way to go in terms of working out how they all play. Um, I'm still disappointed with the way Aiden Core defends. Um, I don't know whether I'm putting extra pressure on him to, to do better because of his age and his experience. But I still think they've got a long way to go in terms of gelling together. That was the worst performance from Luke McDonald that I've seen for a while. Um, whether or not that was just a one-off, we'll find out. But I thought um, he had a pretty poor game, whereas um, Mackay, in my view, was a lot better. He was intercepting the ball well. He was um, reading the play a lot better and seemed to be better one-on-one. Um, and I thought Logan and him were working a little bit better together. Um, so baby steps for them, considering how much pressure they are under um, at the moment. Yeah, no, fair enough. As Marnie has just dropped out, so we'll see if she comes back on soon. Um, how did you see uh, Cunnington's game? Now, Marnie was a fan of um, – thought he played okay. Some Now, there's been mixed reports about his performance. Some people were happy and some people said he's too slow out there now. Where do you sit with it? Yeah, it's a good question. I'd probably like to get your view on it as well. Um, Ben Cunnington's always been a slower player. Um, You wouldn't exactly hope that Ben Cunnington would be um, playing on a really quick player because he will get burnt the other way. So we've always known he hasn't had um, good speed, but I think he's also lost a bit of of speed since he's come back. Um, That's to be expected in some ways. I thought his, his game was great in the fact that he seems to get his, his clearance game up and running a little bit better. So if he's able to provide some clearances for us and, and some um, handballs out to, to players on the outside, 
That's what he's in the team for. Um, did I think he was our best player or set the world on fire? No, um, but he was of value in the team um, for the fact that he had got his hands on the ball more often than he has been, got some clearances. We're not expecting the world of him. Um, I don't think we're going to see the Ben Cunnington of old. I think I, I probably um, have expected too much from him um, and I've tapered my expectations back to see him just play a role. Um, but certainly when the ball moves away from congestion with speed, um, Cunners isn't exactly the one that's going to be chasing down opposition players anymore. No, no. Look, he's never been that type of player. I think he's just getting a bit more exposed now because of players like Cosa Pickett, uh, Christian Petrarca, you know, and Clayton Oliver you know, running past him. And, yeah, we and on a bigger ground in MCG ground, he probably just got exposed a little bit. Uh, I was just, uh, Marnie, welcome back. I was just uh, uh, asking uh, for Siobhan's opinion on Ben Cunnington. You said he's been quite good last few weeks. Some people were happy with his game. Uh, some people uh, said he's too slow out there. Where do you sit? Um, I think I just caught the tail end of what Siobhan said. I, I think he actually, I think he's been one of our best the past few weeks, um, to be honest with you. But, you know, the standard has seemed to have dropped significantly in that period of time. He is an excellent footballer. And that's something you're never going to be able to take away from him. But is he going to be the? Is he ever going to be the same Ben Cunnington that we've seen previously? Probably not. Um, so considering where he's at, I think he. I think he's been really one of our best players the last few weeks. But I just, unfortunately, we will probably never see, and understandably, probably never see the very best of Ben Cunnington um, again. Um, and how much longer he plays on for, I'm not sure. Um, but I think over the past few weeks, he has been one of our best. The effort is is always there, and that's one thing you can't question with him. And effort will always lead to some sort of result. I thought his third quarter was quite good too. Um, I think he left at halftime, didn't you? So, yeah, no, you probably didn't see his third quarter. But, um, yeah, look, when the game was really in tight and in close and there wasn't as open in the third quarter, I thought it was fantastic. I think he had eight touches in that in that quarter and I uh, was really, um, you know, showing his true form. Um, but the problem is once that ball goes to the outside, uh, yeah, no, you can't keep up with anyone. Um, now, Siobhan, you made, you made an interesting stat. Um, you know, first couple of rounds, our pressure was really high and then it's completely dropped off. Now, there's two players that haven't played uh, a full game together since those first two rounds. Could those boys be the difference? Jai Sink and LDU? They'll help. They'll certainly help. Um, LDU, we know, is an absolute star. And, and I knew something wasn't right after the Carlton game. He just didn't look like the same player out there. Um, so I, I'm glad the club made the choice to get him right and not play him again. Um, so if he's right for this week and comes back from that heel injury, um, hopefully he's 100% fit and he is such a difference. <laughs> like clearly he's probably our best midfielder. Um, I'm not saying he's going to win the game off his own boot, but it will certainly help with those clearance numbers. Um, and even his, you can never really question um, Luke's effort as well. And we know Jai's come back from that hand injury. I thought he was okay um, on the weekend against Melbourne. I think the midfield was comprehensively beaten, but he might need a few weeks just to warm back into um, into footy. But those two together in the midfield um, will certainly make a big difference. I think they're both leaders in their own right. Um, LDU more so a watch me, come along with me, and Jai's very vocal from what I understand. So it um, be nice to have both of them in the midfield. That certainly won't won't hurt and hopefully looks back to um, his early season form if he gets that heel injury right. Yeah, I mean, playing against a, you know, we desperately missed LDU uh, on the weekend. Uh, playing against the midfield of Jack Viney, Christian Petrarca, Clayton Oliver, just to name a few, Cosea uh, Pickett, it would have made a difference having him in the team. Um, and we probably wouldn't have conceded 10 goals, three, 63 from stoppages. So, yeah, we should have both those uh, boys back together this week. Obviously, we've got a few injuries, but to have those boys back together this week, it'll help in the midfield. And if you can, yeah. Get on top of the midfield. You always give yourself a chance to be competitive. So yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll stick with the positives, Marnie. Well, it's kind of the positives anyway. Uh, I think the shining light for us North supporters uh, for for uh, this season and for the future uh, is Harry Sheasel right now. I think he gives us hope, doesn't he? Absolutely, and I think if we 
you know, we've obviously got to be able to keep him, um, which is something that I think about quite often. Um, but he's been, yeah, he's he's been such a positive, um, such a positive for us so far this year. Probably, probably leading our best and fairest um, at this stage of the season. He he just he looks like he's been running around there for years. He is so composed. He's so polished. His decision making under pressure is just excellent. Um, he he kind of has really just stood up and had an impact straight away. I feel like we thought he probably would do that though. I think I think a lot of us were probably quite hopeful uh, when he did come across um, in the draft last year that he kind of would have an impact straight away, and he has, um, and he really hasn't let us down. I I think he's obviously been excellent um, in in defence, but I would love to see him get a little bit more involved. I'd love to see him, uh, you know played up forward a little bit, maybe through the midfield as well. Just kind of get him around the ground and, and just to see what else he can do. Because I still think there is so much of Harry Sheasel that we're yet to see. And and I'm sure throughout the season there'll be a bit of experimenting and we will get to see more. Um, but as you said, Dean, he's definitely been, you know, um, really a, a positive and, and um, gives, fills North fans with a lot of hope. I think for the future. Yeah, and hopefully we see George Wardlaw in the next few weeks, and hopefully that will just give us more hope uh, coming forward. Because Siobhan, there's a start on fact right now, and that is Ben Mackay has won seven career games out of his fifty-five. Outside of money, he's out of contract. How in the world uh, could we convince him to stay right now with that with that sort of uh, win loss ratio? Yeah, it's a really hard question to answer because that stat is alarming. It's really alarming. And when we were winning in the first sort of part of the year, those those first two games, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, damn, I really wish Ben Mackay was part of this just to see what that winning feeling's like with this group under Alistair Clarkson, get that sort of taste for it that he wants to hang around and help us win more games. It's really hard because I think um, – He'll either stay because he loves the club and wants to be part of the next wave of kind of success for us. Um, Money and contract will be no issue. It's more about his desire to stay Um, because I think he'll, if he gets offers from elsewhere, and I'm sure he will, a lot of it will be um, come to us because we're successful. Um, We're not at the bottom of the ladder. We're not in the rebuild. I think that will probably be a sell from other clubs. Um, yeah, it's really hard because I would love Ben McKay to stay. Key defenders of his quality um, don't grow on trees and we've spent quite a few years developing him. I still have faith that he'll get back to the form that he was showing at the later part of last year. So um, it's a difficult one. I, I would hope the sale of Alistair Clarkson is, is part of that. But if we continue to lose by big margins every week, to be honest with you, I actually wouldn't begrudge him if he left um, just due to the fact that it, it will get tiresome for a lot of the players. It really will. Um, I'm tired of it as a supporter, so I can only imagine what it's like being out there every week, um, really struggling to to hold up an end, especially playing in defence. So as much as I'd like him to stay, we can only really sell him on hope and teammates and the club itself, and I hope that's enough. I mean, you look at Todd Goldstein, for example, He it's a different story because he's seen some success at the club. Um, so it's it's hard, It's a really hard question. Um, I don't know what Ben's thinking. We all don't know. I think we'll get to the, the, the middle part of the year, and if there's no word, that's when I'll probably start to get worried. But the way to keep him is by performing. Um, we have to, to get out of this hole of losing by big margins. Um, be competitive if you want to keep Ben Mackay. That's probably my my word for the club. It's a good point there by Siobhan. If these losses continue, Marnie, um, are you worried at all that uh, there will be players uh, requesting trades and even yeah, a player exodus of some sorts? I think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting point. Um, but I think that for me, players that if let me start again, if we have a promising future, and if this is the start of a successful rebuild, then the players will already feel it, and they'll already start to see it. Even though we can't see it from the outside, there's a lot of those players have been there now a few years to know what it was. 
and where it's going. And if they think it's going in a completely different direction, the right direction, and they believe in the direction the club's going, they'll stay. If they don't, if Ben Mackay chooses to leave, if XYZ decides they want to request trades outside of the club, that's when I'll that's when I'll be alarmed because they can't see a bright future. Now, I think the the inner sanctum will see a brighter future if there is one, and I hope there is before any of us will see it. You know, sitting in the stands every week, and I think that the way that you know the the players' actions at the end at the end of the next couple of seasons will be really telling. There was, you know. Then you think about the end of last year, there were rumours that Cam Zerha was going to leave and there was a big, a big interest from Essendon and he decided to sign on for two more years. So maybe already in that period of time, he could identify, no, things are different. Things look like they're changing for the better and I'm on board for the ride. Harry Sheasel's already committed to the club for an additional two years beyond his initial contract. Maybe he can see something that we can't see yet and he's on board for the ride. So I'm hoping that trend continues with Mackay. I don't think Mackay would have made the decision either way just yet. I think that if we go back to playing the way we played at the start of the year, that'll certainly help our case um, in trying to in trying to get him to stay and be part of the brighter future. But I think that I think what's happening at the club now, if it's heading in the right direction and if it's positive, then the inner sanctum will already know it. And they'll sense that something's different. And if they believe in it, they'll jump on board and they'll be part of it. I just think that it's going to take a little bit longer for us to see it sitting on the outside. And I just really hope that 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 positive trend keeps moving forward like it did from sort of the end of last year and the start of this year. Yeah, no, that's fair points there, Marnie. And yeah, look, Siobhan, if Alistair Clarkson wasn't, in charge of us right now, uh, would you have the faith that we are going, you know, that we eventually getting get uh, to where we want to get to and be a, you know, a finals team and eventually challenge for a premiership? What a great question, Dean, because I actually had that thought in my mind watching the game on, on Saturday night. So I just thought to myself, right, if this was under Noble Shaw, um, if, the, if this was under any of those coaches that we've had in recent years, I would be going sack him. <laughs> and yeah. I know I know that's a really harsh, harsh way of thinking, but um Elsa Clarkson's had six, seven months of, of this. We've had years of it now. And I know I'm getting impatient as a supporter. And I need to sometimes remove myself from Twitter, have a, a deep breath and just think about the bigger picture. Um, but I really hope that we don't continue to lose by big margins throughout the year. Maybe it's all part of the rebuild. Maybe it's part of the process. Maybe it's part of Clarkson implementing his game plan. It's going to take time. Player development's going to take time. But I, I'm finding as a supporter, I'm getting really frustrated and tired. Um, so I think Clarkson, to me, represents a ray of hope. And part of that, I think I was a little bit deluded, I must admit. And I thought we were probably past losing by big margins. Um, but maybe we're not. And I, clearly we're not. So um, I'm. It, it, he has credits in the bank. And that's probably why I'm not coming on this podcast and questioning some of the stuff I've seen because I'm not going to question Alistair Clarkson, but maybe as a supporter, I felt I had a right to question David Noble and question some of the other coaches when this sort of stuff was going on. Um, so for me, I think on the weekend, I realized it might be just a bit deeper than coaching and that's going to take time to figure out. And if there's anyone that we want doing that, it's probably going to be the best coach of the modern era. So it's not Clarkson's fault that we're in the position we're in. Talk to me again in a couple of years' time, but Clarkson to me is the right man to be here and the right man to be dealing with what we're currently dealing with at the moment. Um, I've got no doubt things will turn. It's just I was hoping it would be quicker um, and clearly I was wrong. In Clarkson, we must trust, I guess. Uh, Marnie, now, we've got the Saints this week, another tough opposition. We might as well move forward to them. Uh, they've been very good this year. Uh, Mason Wood has uh, reinvented himself. Uh, what are you hoping for this weekend? The same effort that we brought in rounds one, two and four, please. I'm actually, like, 
I don't know. Maybe that was the worst thing to happen to us with those two wins at the start of the year and then that performance against Carlton because maybe that's given us some false hope of what we're capable of. Maybe that's set an unrealistic expectation. Um, you know, maybe it's set, yeah. Uh, maybe it sh- For me, it definitely shifted the goalposts. After the end of round four, I'm sitting here thinking, God, we actually could win quite a few games this year and really could make an impact when obviously the next three weeks is all sort of just fall into pieces. Um, just effort. Effort, intent, intensity is all I want to see. I just want to see us have a genuine crack. The one thing under Brad Scott that I miss about the North side since he left is under Brad Scott, you'd get thumped one week and you would absolutely light a fire up your ass the next and we would just give a cracking performance. Whether we came out, we often won the games or whether we came out, we were highly competitive and it kind of went down to the wire. We just don't have that same sort of inspiration and that same sort of fire in the belly sort of thing. We kind of get pumped and then we just move on to the next week and we just get pumped again. I, I just wish that I wish we would find a way to respond. So that's sort of what I want. I'm really looking for us to kind of dig deep. Hopefully we'll get a few really important, you know, personnel back in the side, maybe a couple of kids who are really eager to have a crack. So it's the effort, intent, intensity is what I'm hoping that we bring against the Saints this week at a bare minimum. Yeah, no, we're certainly hoping we can uh, yeah get back to the, the, the early season form. Siobhan, we're going to have at least three changes to the team this week. Uh, outside of that, um, I guess, uh, which players would you like to see and what, what else would you like to see? Um, just get back to the efforts uh, that uh, we've seen early in the season. Yep. Um, firstly, I just wanted to shout out Charlie Combin. I mean, what we saw yeah. on Saturday night was absolutely yeah. horrendous. Um so one of those three force changes is one that's really um, sad and disappointing. Um, I couldn't help but when I was watching almost get emotional just in the fact that it was that particular player too. Um, he's been through a hell of a lot in terms of injuries in his short AFL career. And after starting to string some some games together, um, he has a, an injury that, I mean, that's just bad luck really so um we wish him all the very best in his recovery um i'd like to see someone like charlie Combin um straight back in the side because he what he did bring is a lot of effort and intensity and always was willing to have a crack even when he couldn't mark the ball or couldn't um impact the contest he still found a way to impact the game um whether it was a tackle or a, a pressure act so you ask what I want to see, Dean. I think that's similar to what Marnie said, is that I want to see um, Hunt on the ball carrier. I think St Kilda are a great side. And, and it's funny when you look at St Kilda because they've been pummeled by injury. Um, but Ross Lyons come in, implemented a game plan. And I think what he said is effort's non-negotiable. And I'd like Clarkson to probably drill that home to our boys this week, is that, yes, we might be um, lacking a bit of talent on the park and some key personnel, but effort's non-negotiable. And effort gets you a long way. You look at St Kilda and what they've been able to achieve. It does. Um, effort and structure, it, does, it, it brings you um, good fortune. So I'd like to see um, see that, like Marnie said, probably at a minimum, a bit more effort around the contest and a bit of bit of pressure. Um, I'd like to see us. I know that the three changes will be uh, pretty significant for us. Hopefully, LDU comes in. Um, I'd like to see some some of the younger players get an opportunity, potentially a debut for Drury this week. Um, he's been showing quite a lot, and he's another one that I think um, when you bring in some youth into the side, they'll bring that effort. They want to stay in the side. They want to be hungry and and perform for the jumper. So um, changes with with some young players will be something that I'll look forward to seeing. And will hopefully happen. I mean, Clarkson foreshadowed it. So um, it'd be nice to see Eddie Ford get an opportunity, potentially Archer, um, who I guess hasn't been setting the world on fire in the VFL. But um, we've known from his experience last year that when he puts on the jumper on the field in an AFL game, he'll give you all he's got. So um, no one's expecting miracles. No one's probably expecting a win. But I'd hate to see us come out and lose to St Kilda by 15 goals. Then um, you might not hear from me next week because I'll be in a corner crying. <laughs> that will be a hard to swallow if we're not able to at least remain competitive against St Kilda. Um, and I'm hoping some youth and, and a bit of a, a rocket might help that situation. 
Yeah, we might all end up in a mental institution next week if we get another pummeling. So, yeah, we'll, and rocking a chair in the corner or something like that. Uh, Marnie, any players? Um, I, I have a feeling I know you're going to uh, name one. Uh, any other players you feel like that uh, should come? You know, that you'd like to see in the team? I mean, we're probably going to look at three definite uh, players out. You're probably thinking of maybe you know Kane Turner and Daniel Howe out of the team as well. Um, yeah, look, any players you? I mean, you've mentioned uh, a couple of young kids, but uh, even uh, maybe an Eddie Ford or anything like that. Guys, take a shot every time I say I want Hugh Greenwood back in the side. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna flog that horse. I've done that enough. I've done yeah. that enough tonight. Um, it's interesting because I think there hasn't. I think a lot of the reason why we haven't seen a lot of um, unforced changes so far this year is there really isn't a lot of pressure coming from the VFL, which is a big issue. I'm a big Eddie Ford fan, and I was really disappointed to see him go out of the side um, and kind of not really make a reappearance after that. I'd love to see him have another crack, especially. I think that I think that he could definitely replace um, replace Curtis Taylor and and and, and you know have his shot um curtis taylor did not impress me in the slightest on saturday night unfortunately um i'm not going to sit here and call for daniel how or kane turner's head i know we've brought them up a few times but there's no point they'll stay in the side no matter how they perform um so whether i don't have an issue just there are three very big changes um and big outs from the side i did read an article earlier to say there is an expectation that ldu will return on the weekends that'll be a massive in for us if that is true um but are we going to see a lot more change outside of those um force changes i doubt it um it's really uh, you know jury um whether wardlaw comes in or wait a couple more weeks just to see how his knee goes um i um siobhan mentioned um lucky young earlier as well i'm a big lucky young fan too i think he was probably our most yeah influential defender in the second half of last year so i've got no issue bringing him back in i mean who knows uh, uh, I just what you know you you can't replace the whole twenty two. You wouldn't need to after Saturday night, but there's quite a few that you could probably say no, they shouldn't play. Um, so if we just went for those three changes, I'd be okay with it. Um, if we brought in a bit of youth, if LDU was to return, would I like a couple more changes? Yeah, I would. I think that you know it's not just an injury issue; it's the fact that we had a lot of passengers on Saturday night. Um, I think. Aiden Core is really walking a thin tightrope as well. I think he's lazy and I don't think that I just think he's a player that thinks he'll get by on natural talent and it's just not the case. It's not really he he's not he's one other player that's just not really working for me at the moment. And I know Siobhan feels the same way. Um so yeah, I think uh I think this there'll be changes this week, but I don't think it'll be the first week we see changes. I think that it'll be probably come in the stages of the next few weeks. And it'd be interesting to see how the team how the team looks in the next probably three weeks against say Collingwood to how it looked on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, you could probably realistically make about uh, a dozen changes to the team um, with the with just poor form of some players as well. But I think there'll be about four or five, I think, um, and then probably over the coming weeks there'll be you know two or three each week after that. So yeah, look, Lockie Young's a, an interesting one. Siobhan mentioned him earlier, and um, yeah, I thought he was he was pretty good second half of last year. So I'm a bit surprised he hasn't really had a look in. So and you may even get someone like a Charlie Lazaro coming this week. Who knows? So yeah, no, there's there is options, but um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, Siobhan, what's your prediction for this Sunday? Yeah, um, look, I think St Kilda are a team with great leg speed and they like to really move the ball quickly and it's at Marvel Stadium. So I fear that we might get cut open on the turnover and on the spread especially. Um, we have to clean up our disposal because when you let good sides in by turning the ball over in dangerous areas, you're going to get cut open. And I fear um, the last few weeks we've probably been exposed in that area a bit too much. Um, look, St Kilda are not a team of superstars. They're a team of, of players that are really, I think, united by spirit at the moment. So um, they've been playing really well, whether or not they're due for a down game. Let's all have our fingers and toes crossed that that's the case um, and they don't bring bring their A game. Um 
do I think we can remain competitive? Yes, I do. Um, maybe I'm the eternal optimist at the moment when it comes to this footy club. Uh, but I, I would like to think that we could keep it within about four or five goals. So I'd probably say um, the Saints by about 24 to 30 points um, with us remaining competitive. But in saying that, I think there's a lot of pressure on Larky, unfortunately, with Combin going down. Um, and I just struggle to see where we're going to kick out goals in that in that forward line. So um, we know Curtis is struggling at the moment for form. Um, Steve, I guess the avenue is probably going to have to be Jaden Stevenson um, for a majority of our goals. So I'm finding it hard to see how we kick a winning score um, and how we hold out the Saints. So um, it could go either way for me, but I'd like to think that we could keep it within four or five goals on on Saturday, on Sunday night. I think a lot of supporters will probably take that right now, to be honest with you, Siobhan. So, yeah, we'll, um, we'll see how we go. Uh, Marnie, what do you think? What's your prediction? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about the avenue to goal. Uh, it's looking a bit yeah. bleak. <laughs> I was sitting here two minutes ago thinking, am I delusional for thinking we could actually get up on Sunday? Yes, probably I am. Um, lower the eyes a little bit. Stevenson's one we haven't really spoken about much. I actually think he's had an excellent an excellent sort of start to the year. He's really starting to refine his best form and I've been very impressed with the way that he's played. Um, definitely whether we've got Combin in the side or not, we need to really pull back on Larky or at least deliver the ball lace out rather than just plonking it on his head and giving him no chance. Um, really lower the eyes. Just, just, just scrap it out. You know, there's this, when, when um, West Coast and, and Port Adelaide played um, on Good Friday a few years ago over in Perth, it was a really wet night. It, it followed our game. Um, it followed our game after and, Port Adelaide just broke West Coast open. That has played really dirty footy. It was really scrappy. It was a lot of ground ball. Um, it was it was a bit it was a bit chaotic, but it all kind of worked out for them in the end. But let's just try something like that. We don't have the high flyers. We've got Larky, who will undoubtedly have a lot of attention. He may even be double teamed at times because he at the moment that's our only avenue to goal. We've got to just sort of mix it up a little bit. Um, again. I don't even think it matters about St Kilda. I think it matters. I think it's us that matters. If we show up and we play the same sort of football that we played against Carlton, we could really take it to them. Because I don't, I think St Kilda may be a, a fraction ahead of Carlton, but I think it's more they're playing better as a unit rather than the individual talent that they've got on their list. So I think we could really, we could really take it up to them. But if we dish up what we've been dishing up the last few weeks, then we're no chance. We won't, we won't get within seven or eight goals of them. So it, it, it's really going to depend on us and how we want to play and what North Melbourne side turns up that determines this one, I think. I've got one final question for the both of you. Does Harry Sheasel play forward this week? Uh, who, who takes his spot in the back line? Good point. but uh, <laughs> That is a good point. But I, I do feel like Clarko has to have some magic up his sleeve for our avenue to go, and we know... Sheasel's a known goal kicker, so maybe he'll surprise us with that. But the question of his replacement is probably where the stumbling block lies. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Kane Turner. I think he's due for a good game, Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> I can sense the sarcasm through the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, think Marnie, you were going to mention that maybe push Daniel Howe forward, you think? Or? Why not? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm happy to give anything a shot once at this point. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, in all seriousness, I, I, I like his creativity out of the back line, to be honest with you. Um, I'd keep him there. Uh, if things aren't going too well and we've got maybe two goals, three at half time, and we're down by seven goals, then, yeah, probably look at it. Um, and he's, he might not be having an influence because knowing Ross Lyon, he might put a tag on him to be honest with you, um, because he knows how much of a creative he is out of our back line. So, yeah, look, it's a possibility that he could. I think he'll start back, but he could go forward. Good answer. I like it. Oh, thanks. I'd like, I'd like to see him forward. I'd like to see him forward at some point throughout the year, whether it's on Sunday or later, later, um, later on in the year. I think that ultimately, in the long term, that is where he'll play his best football for us. Um, so whether he's just... You know he's he's played his role really well to start the year, um, and I, I I don't I'm not opposed to keeping him there for now, but I would like to see him move forward at some point in the year. So, Siobhan, whether that's now, whether that's down the track, uh, I, I I expect it at some point. 
Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, well, yeah, I think you'll, you'll get moved around. He might even push through the midfield at some points during the course of the year, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I mean, he's got that versatility. He can play anywhere on the ground, uh, probably besides Ruck. So, yeah. Uh, Siobhan, uh, you want to add anything else before I let you go? No, just a big go ruse and fingers crossed we see a more competitive performance this week. Mm. Well, Marnie, I just got one more question. Will there be a Fit Check Thursday pick tomorrow in your Twitter timeline? Oh, you'll have to wait and see, Dean. I'm not going to yeah, give that yeah. one away. Yeah, no, fair enough. No, 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 keep, it, keep it close to your chest. So, no, that's, uh, that's a good good idea. Uh, well, ladies, it's been a pleasure. I really since, uh, sincerely hope you can come on uh, in the near future where we can talk about a win. So full credit to you both for continually showing up each week. I know a lot of our supporters enjoy it and love the brutal honesty as always. No sugarcoating. So, Marnie, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Siobhan. Always a pleasure. Siobhan, a pleasure as always. Absolutely. Love talking footy with you guys. Have a lovely week. Fingers crossed for a better performance. So thank you to those lovely ladies for coming on the show tonight. Much appreciated, and I'm sure all you listeners got something out of it and really enjoyed their perspective on how the club is going right now. We've got another game this week, another opportunity to turn around, so have faith it will turn around. That's it for today's show. I might be back Friday evening, but not sure yet. Otherwise, it might be Tuesday morning. I will do a hangover podcast and then get the boys back on Tuesday evening to hopefully talk about a better and more competitive performance. We need it. Um, Thanks to all you lovely listeners for the likes, retweets, comments. You all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do this podcast without your support. Uh, If you couldn't leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be awful. Awesome. Sorry, not awful. Um, Anyways, that's it. So tonight, I will give a shout out to Craig at Craig double underscore, so two underscores S. Bye for now, and go Roos.